Hello again, podcast listeners. This is the newest educational podcast, the Georgia High School Principals Podcast, a podcast by high school principals for high school principals and all educators of Georgia. I'm your host, Jim Finch, and I'm the principal of Mary Persons High School in Forsyth, Georgia. If you'll remind yourself, uh, if you've listened to previous episodes, uh, the mission and vision of this project is to interview high school principals across our state for the sake of professional learning. Hopefully you'll receive some valuable knowledge from some of the best principals in the state. So thanks for listening. Uh, For some of you that may know me, um, it's long been a professional learning goal of mine to be able to connect to as many high school principals as I can and share job alike duties and responsibilities. And this was some of the most efficient ways in which to to connect to other principals is, is, uh, is through a podcast and then being able to share it to other high school principals and aspiring leaders for those who may be interested in improving their craft and maybe just learning from others. So uh, as a reminder, um, the Georgia High School Principals Podcast is on Podbean. That is our hosting service. So if you have the Podbean app, uh, obviously you can listen easier that way, but we also are on iTunes and Google Podcasts. So if iTunes or Google Podcasts is your preferred format or your choice of, of getting your podcast, then please feel free to search on iTunes or Google Podcasts for the Georgia High School Principals Podcast. Don't forget to like, listen, and share. Today's podcast is Season 1, Episode 5, and today's guest is Mrs. Carenza Wing, Principal of Collins Hill High School, located in Sewanee, Georgia, and that serves as one of the many high schools in the Gwinnett County School District. How are you today, Ms. Wing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Dr. Finch. Well, uh, we'd like to kick off um, our little podcast with each one of our, our principals, and, and we want to kind of go over, you know, just small items like educational resume, background, and, you know, your current position, and why you do what you do, and, and other items of interest for our listeners. And so, if you could, just kick us off today, giving us uh, your background and your educational resume. Um, I attended Oglethorpe University for my Bachelor's of Arts, and I double majored in History and Secondary Education. I did my Master's of Social Studies Education at Georgia State, and did my um, Educational Leadership Specialist at Lincoln Memorial University. Okay. Um, What about, um, you know, your former teaching positions, um, assistant principalships, anything like that? I, um, I've been in Gwinnett County Public Schools for 30 years. I started out teaching history and coaching track and basketball, and I did that for um, about 12 years, and volleyball as well. Um, and then I moved into an assistant principal's position at Collins Hill for eight years, and then I went, um, I was appointed as principal at a brand new high school um, in Sugar Hill Lanier High School, and I opened a brand new high school as a brand new principal. And then um, when Collins Hill's principal retired, I returned here. So I've been at Collins Hill for a total of 22 years. Okay. Um, So what is your why? Why is it that you do what you do? Um, My why is is I enjoy creating um, educational, high-level, high-quality educational opportunities for our students um, and helping to motivate them to be successful. I love developing people, whether that be students or teachers um, in their careers and really just those are kind of my two big lines is, is creating those opportunities and, and really um, helping develop people 
it's kind of my passion in life. You've mentioned that um, that you've been in Gwinnett County for 30 years and you've all of it is in building level experience. Do you have any career aspirations about moving past the principal's office? Um, I enjoy working with young people. So um, at this point, no, I, I, there's no there's no students at the district level. <laughs> in that I, building. <laughs> I have heard that answer before. So I've heard that answer from people who have gone to the central office and actually come back. So um, it's 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 always refreshing to hear those um, those answers from principals talking about I'm I'm a building level person. I'm here where the students are. So um, you know I, I think our listeners will be able to either uh, you know often affirm what you've just said in their own. Uh, career pathways. So talk to us a little bit about your family, hobbies, special interests, etc. Um, well, the principal's job is a large job, so there's not a lot of time for a lot of hobbies. But <laughs> um, my family, I do I do have two, two children. One's um, currently at the University of Alabama and one's a sophomore in high school. And, um, and my husband um, is in uh, currently in the packaging industry. So, um, but we we do spend a lot of time together taking family vacations. I love to travel. Um, I do love to read, um, and I do play tennis on Sundays. Well, that's good. I uh, just want to remind listeners today we are talking to Mrs. Carenza Wing. She is the principal at Collins Hill High School, located in the Gwinnett County. Um, school district. She is going to be talking to us about all things CAI, that's Curriculum Assessment and Instruction. She's going to speak to us a little bit about their uh, professional learning community there at Collins Hill and even in the in the district of, of Gwinnett. And she's going to speak to us about aspiring leadership as well. So for our listeners, it's important to note that Mrs. Wing is the Georgia Association of Secondary School Principals, that's GASSP, she is the GASSP Principal of the Year for 2019. She's also a national finalist as one of three high school principals in the nation that's awaiting the honor of being named National Principal of the Year. She serves as the state coordinator for high schools. Uh, and that, and for some of you that don't know what that role really is, the state coordinator for high schools for GASSP acts as the delegate for the state of Georgia at the national level for NASSP, which is the National Association of Secondary School Principals. And so she helps vote and shape policy at the national level um, and how that affects our state. So she does a lot of advocacy efforts in Washington um, with that role. And uh, we're just excited that we're being able to uh, share some time with her today. So as you kind of reflect and think about the distinction and honor of of being named a, a high school principal of the year in the state of Georgia and even a national finalist. Can you kind of speak about the enormity of that distinction or or whatever it has done to affirm what you do on a day-to-day -day basis since you've been um, named it, that? It's, it, the enormity is huge um, and, and it's humbling. I mean, the, the work that we do day-to-day -day really is the work that we do with our staff and our students. Um, and I would say that that that's what I'm probably most excited about is, is shedding some light on the, the good work that, that goes on in my building every day and in my district is not something that, I mean, I've had the, I've had the opportunity and pleasure to work with all these folks and, and they're the feet on the ground and they're the heroes in the classroom. And to me, that's what needs to be highlighted through the, through the recognition that I'm receiving. It's not, it's not necessarily about 
me, it's about the work that we've done as a team. Well, and we certainly think that that attitude that you have there is is uh, one of the many reasons why you've been highlighted uh, as such and, and earning the distinction of, of Principal of the Year. And again, congratulations on that. Um, let's go ahead and move into our, our topics of interest, which are curriculum instruction assessment. There's so many questions that we could ask of you uh, for our listeners. We'll try to, to hit some of these items as specific as we can. Let's kind of talk about um, lesson planning with teachers. Individual planning, common planning, department planning. What does that look like at Collins Hill? Um, we do have, I mean, teachers have one planning period during our day. We're on a traditional type schedule. Um, we do have common planning built in for our, our core areas. And so they are expected um, to meet once a week with their course team, um, which we is kind of our our professional learning communities are divided up by our courses that we teach. So um, in that structure, we do have a team lead. We also have, um, we call them instructional coordinators that are over the whole department to try to help coordinate some of that. We kind of follow a cycle with our um, planning and, and really trying to make sure we're using the backward design process, um, deconstructing our standards, making sure we have kid-friendly learning targets that go with our, um, our curriculum standards and um, building common assessments prior to teaching the unit and then really talking through kind of what does that instructional, what instructional strategies are going to get the kids to that proficient and distinguished level on those achievement level descriptors from the state. Um, and that is always a work in progress. My teams are at all different places and I think that's what you'll find in most schools is you've got some that are really high functioning and, and doing the work at a very, very high level and you've got others when you change personnel have a team lead change that that's going to be a new work in progress and so we really spend a lot of time working with our team leaders and trying to help them you know what does the agenda setting look like how do you do use protocols in your teams for setting norms for analyzing data for looking at student work and and as far as you know kind of where my focus is this year it's really making sure that we're having those they're good at making common assessments but they're not always good at looking at the data and then making those um, you know instructional decisions and instructional adjustments um, kind of, you know, as you go along through the unit, they want to stick to the plan that they have. So making those, you know, kind of game time adjustments are kind of what we're working on. When uh, one of the most often questions that I get from other principals or even faculty members of other schools is one of the first things they ask is, you know, do you, do you require teachers to turn in lesson plans? If you do, is there a template that you use? Um, you know, what does that look like at Collins Hill? I try to hire the best professionals I can find, and I try to treat them professionally. I do not require for them to turn in lesson plans, I, I, unless they're having issues. <laughs> and then, yes, we're turning in lesson plans. But, you know, if I can, you know, I do require them to have learning targets um, on the board or on their PowerPoint or on their, the work the kids are doing in some shape or form so that we know exactly what we're learning for the day and the kids and require them to have some sort of formative assessment um, during the lesson or at the end of the lesson, but I'm not requiring them to turn in detailed lesson plans. I really want their energy to put, be put towards developing those really engaging lessons and if you know, if I'm making them fill out a, a template for that, they're going to spend their time filling out the template and checking off the box rather than being creative and, and really kind of collaborating more with their teammates. 
So it's just kind of my viewpoint on it. So I, I, I have a template, and I do use it if we need to use it. Um, and one of the things I'm really trying to help them, my teams look at is how do we use our collaborative time to, to create and, and create lessons that are going to be highly engaging for those really difficult standards. So if we're going to spend time lesson planning, we usually do it um, collaboratively on a topic that we know the kids are going to struggle with. Okay. Let's talk a, a little bit more about um, assessment. Um, and you talked a little bit about your common assessments and how you guys manage that and making sure that uh, teachers have common assessments. Do you use a certain software that gives you your data back uh, in a timely and efficient manner so you can make those types of, of adjustments that you talked about? We use a couple of different things and I kind of, um, we, we purchase all in learning for the school um, and some departments use that. Um, you know, many times they, they, they'll do a multiple choice part on that and then they'll also have, you know, open response questions, essays type things that they have otherwise, which is the place where we're looking at student work rather than looking at um, disaggregated data from our platform. We also have SchoolNet um, that the district provides and that's where our district assessments are scored and located. So our teachers know how to use that. Um, so yeah, we I don't want them to, you know, spend tons of time disaggregating data on their own if there's a quick way to do that. But they also, not all of my teachers want to make everything multiple choice, so we, we don't, I mean, you can't. They, the kids have to be able to think and write, so um, that's where we try to bring in high, medium, low samples of kind of what kids did or common misconceptions and look at what the students actually did on the test. So that does take some time. Okay. Um. We're, and we're getting ready to segue into professional learning communities and, and what, what you all do up there in, in Gwinnett. But before we do that, um, you know, you have teachers that participate in some type of professional learning either internally there in Gwinnett or maybe at conferences outside of your district or whatever. Do you have some method in which you uh, kind of monitor the amount of professional learning that they receive or whatever best practices training that they receive? Do you have a way in which you monitor that in the classroom to make sure that it's showing up where the, where the students are? Um, one of the things that we, the way I set up our um, observation schedule, you know, I have an assistant principal that's in charge of a department or in charge of a certain, certain course teams. And they are going to those planning meetings every week. Um, so they're sitting in with them, listening to them plan. They're a part of the team. Um, and then when we really want to monitor to see if they are, are implementing kind of what their plans are, and then the planning part, we really do have them pull in, um, you know, high-yield strategies from like Marzano. We've got a name for them in Gwinnett. <laughs> um, we, we call them quality plus teaching strategies. It's a really Marzano strategies, right. and um, Antonetti is the other um, person that we really use is Engagement Cube and the rigor divide um, stuff that he does. But we... Um, we try to go through and, and, you know, walk through every classroom that's teaching that subject. So I have a school of 3,000, so I might be able to hit five or six classrooms of geometry in one class period. And that gives me a real good sense of are they on the same page, are they teaching at the same level, or are they, you know, are they kind of generally on the same topic, and, and kind of the differences between classrooms. And you can also, and I, we also look at their achievement data. I mean, every 
every unit assessment we have is common, so we, we do look at that data um, every unit to try to kind of see, well, where, where, so where are we not doing well and do we, you know, what do we need to do about it? Right, let's move on into professional learning communities. Um, and this is one of my more favorite questions to ask other principals because oftentimes you'll get an answer that has similar themes in it. And there's always some different theme from each principal to principal or district to district or school to school that, that emerges whenever I ask this question. So to you, what does it mean to be a professional learning community? Um, a professional learning community to me is a group of, of teachers that are, are working together in order to do what's best for students and help them reach their highest level of learning, but it's also about learning for the teachers. And so I try not to let them lose sight of that. So our professional learning is embedded in our, in our um, PLCs. And we really try to say, what, what does your team need? Where are you at? Do you need you know, training on SchoolNet? Do you need training on how to set up your online learning platform? Do you need training on how to build a, co a good common assessment? Um, so we, we, we really talk with the teams to see where they need help. And then we pull in um, during their team meeting time, you know, once a month or once every other month, we pull in resources for them to help them learn the things that they're trying to learn. Um, so to, to me, a professional learning community is about learning both for the students and for the teachers. So for the students, we're really trying to make sure we're asking those, those key questions of what do we want them to learn. Um, and I, I, we throw one in, how are, how, are you making, how are you instructing them to learn it? Um, and you know, do, how do we know if they learned it? And then what do we do if they did or didn't? So that's kind of what we build around those big rocks in our professional learning communities. And I will say, you know, we're, we're really probably good at what do we want them to learn and how are we going to um, instruct them. And then the part about um, what do we do if they didn't get it or they did get it, those are areas that we still have lots of room to grow. Okay, you talked about speaking with your staff kind of informally or formally. Do you use any type of survey data to kind of, you know, I mean, do you survey your staff or use any other types of data sources to kind of determine, all right, this is the next professional learning topic that we might need here at Collins Hill? Yeah, we do some, um, I've got a rubric for our PLCs or, and to, to see kind of, here's the expectation and we kind of set it up, you know, like beginning, developing, proficient, just kind of how we have the other measures that we have around the building. Um, and we also have some self-assessments for them to do kind of as look-fors for how's the team structured, you know, how's the accountability, what do you have norms, what do those look like. Um, so we do try to get them to be reflective and, and do self-assessments to determine kind of what learning needs to take place. And if we see a theme across teams, um, that's when we'll pull in some outside resources and do some um, larger school-wide training. Like um, tomorrow and Friday, we have someone coming in to really look at, um, we've done training with depth of knowledge, we've done training with deconstructing standards, and we've done training with building common assessments, but we're really going to do some blueprint training and kind of digging in to make sure that we're building assessments that are reflective of the instruction that we're giving and trying to get them to make sure we're, we're assessing at some of those DOK3 levels that we don't always get to um, and that we're teaching at that level. 
And so I've got some folks from the district assessment office coming in to assist with that training. So we're, we're very fortunate in Gwinnett to have a, a support system from the district level that allows us to bring experts into the building. Um, and, and that's housed in district. Um, if, if, I were, if I were in a smaller county, I'm sure I'd reach out to RISA to try to or find some other resources to bring in to help with some of that training. Um, and then we're going to also get some feedback on our assessments. We're going to get to send a, a, a locally made assessment into the district assessment office, and they're going to give us feedback on kind of where could we improve. Well, you've already started to answer some of the questions that I was uh, prepared to ask for you. You know, being in a large district like Gwinnett, uh, you probably have more resources than some of the smaller districts. Uh, I'm speaking from the central office standpoint as far as, as it relates to, to professional learning. So do you outsource very much professional learning opportunities or do you handle a lot of it within the district or even within your school? Is, is, your, is your faculty capable of delivering professional learning topics? Um, I would say that we do send staff um, to other conferences and one of the expectations when I when I pay for their conference fee is that they bring back something to re-deliver. Um, we, I'm fortunate to have an assistant principal and that's one of her main responsibilities. Um, and again, I have nine assistant principals, so I'm fortunate to be able to kind of divide some things up that at a, when I was at a smaller school at Lanier, I only had, you know, three assistant principals. So um, I did have to outsource a lot more than I, than I currently do. And we, we fortunately are able to do a lot in-house, and I do have a lot of good teacher leaders that are able to um, stand up and, you know, deliver staff development to the whole staff if I need them to. But we do some lunch and learn some. And, again, we'll pull in what a team needs during their planning period very often to do some smaller lessons in a smaller group setting. Okay, are there any other, I know we talked about GASSP, are there any other t associations that you're a member of that our podcast listeners uh, may be interested in hearing? Um, I'm also a member of ASCD. Um, just did, they've got some, some good publications and, and things as well. Um, they're very often connected to Solution Tree, where, which I get a lot of books from there. So, um, But GASSP is where I've spent the majority of my investment in time, I would guess, from, from my perspective in a professional organization, um, as well as NASSP. Okay, let's move into the topic of aspiring leadership, and I'm going to ask you almost the same question uh, twice, but uh, the first one I'm going to ask you is, is, is what advice would you give a teacher who is considering uh, making a move into educational leadership? Um, with our teachers, we actually have a, an in-house thing that we do. We, we actually have a class for what we consider, you know, aspiring leaders. And we kind of take them and pull the curtain back a little bit and let them see into the administrative world. We um, let them do, we give them some release days to do shadow and assistant principal. Um, we bring in the school resource officer to talk about gangs, drugs, all the negative things that we deal with just so they kind of have an idea of some of the stuff that we deal with in the office. Um, and we also have them, you know, help supervise some events. And um, But anyway, they get to ask a lot of questions and we spend some time with them. I also encourage all the teachers that are looking to go into um, 
administration just to, to really take advantage of any leadership opportunities they have as teachers because some of them are such so great in the classroom, I really don't want to lose them out of the classroom. And if we can find a way for them to lead from their teacher seat, I think that's a great thing to do too. So um, I try to give, if I know they're looking in that direction, I try to give them opportunities with um, different events or um, team lead opportunities. So it just depends on kind of what they're looking to do. All right, the next question I would ask is almost similar to that, but what advice would you give to an assistant principal who's considering a move into the principal's position? Um, I would just take advantage of any training that's offered um, at the state or district level for for those opportunities, um, you know, and make sure that, you know, when there's opportunities to um, be a part of staff development or deliver that to another group um, at the district level or at another school to take advantage of those opportunities. And that whole idea of networking um, is critically important, especially if you're looking to move into an, a principal's position because you really have to network with outside resources in the community. Um, and so trying to give, in my buildings that I've been, been in, I really try to give um, assistant principals that want to move into the principal's position. I try to move them around and let them have opportunities to do different um, jobs in the building so they understand what curriculum does, they understand what testing does. So again, just looking for those opportunities to learn the different aspects of how a school operates. Um, and I think instructional leadership is huge. So for me, if you're going to be a principal, you really have to understand what good instruction looks like and how to move kids um, academically. So making sure that folks are really um, well-trained and capable of executing in that area is, is really critically important, in my opinion. You mentioned your leadership development or your aspiring leaders program there in Gwinnett. Did you participate in that in Gwinnett? I did. I was in the second cohort um, that they had. I guess it was back in, like, I don't know, 2008. It's been a long time. Um, but I went through the program. It was it was great because you got to you got to network with folks from the district office and and also really understand from a, a district level perspective, kind of what are they looking for and what um, what are the different parts of a principal's job that you might not see as an assistant principal. And as you kind of reflect on that uh, that time period or, or 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 even your answer there to to a couple of our questions. What is it that you may have done differently as you were as an aspiring leader, or what would you have maybe even done the same? Have you thought about that? Um, I think there's always room for improvement. I don't know that I would have taken a different path necessarily. I think that the time that I spent in the classroom was, was incredibly important, and I wouldn't trade those 12 years for anything. Um, being an assistant principal for eight years really gave me some time to, to learn the different parts of the school and kind of how, how those different operations work from a management perspective. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that I would have changed anything. I think starting a new school as a new principal was an incredibly difficult job, but I learned a tremendous amount from it. Um, and really, it, it's about the people and the relationships that you build. So I've, I've had the opportunity to work with some incredible educators. Well, that kind of moves me into an area that uh, you just mentioned it again about opening up a new school. Let's talk a little bit about culture and climate, uh, even there at Collins Hill, uh, or even 
you know, when you opened up Lanier High School. Kind of talk about the importance of establishing a school culture and climate at Lanier where there's not any traditions, uh, establishing mascots, establishing maybe even an alma mater or, you know, what it is that school is, is known for. Talk about that a little bit and then talk about um, how different that is coming into an established school culture and climate like the one that you came to at, at Collins Hill as the principal. Um, the, the building a school from the ground up is, is um, a, an incredible experience. I actually helped open Collins Hill too. I was just a teacher. So I had um, kind of that experience. But the from a principal seat, it's really about bringing people together and giving them an opportunity to talk about you know what do we want our school to be how do we and collaborating with them it's not it's not a principle making a decision it's really bringing in ideas from the communities what do we stand for what are we after um how do you you know set those high expectations from day one how do you have help the kids have school pride um and so you know we had teachers and students that helped write the alma mater we had um community meetings about the mascot um and then we had a community vote on what the mascot was going to be the kids the parents everybody we we did some electronic voting um and um, even on kind of what the design of the mascot would look like um and so that that whole process was a, a really good community building process um before we ever set foot in the building so i mean those types of things and then really trying to make sure that once you've decided on those items that you really get it out there into the community so there was a lot of marketing involved and, and I do not have a marketing background but that was one of the things that um, I learned how to do pretty quickly you got to get um, <laughs> you got to get your logo out there on people's cars and spirit wear and whatever else you can do to, to you know let them know who you are and what we stand for I also was um, for I'm also fortunate in Gwinnett we have a cluster system so we work with our elementary feeder schools and our middle school that feeds into the high school and they kind of all it's kind of a clean clean lines as far as how the feeder pattern works so um not only was i working with the the students and parents that were going to come to the high school we were also working um together as a as a cluster unit so i you know some of the things that we developed um had input from the elementary and middle school um teachers and and principals um, and parents so that was something that was um great so we all kind of went with the same color scheme even if we didn't all have the same mascot initially um and then we were able to um also come up with a tagline together um k-12 so that was learn lead succeed so those kind of um opportunities to help really try to bring in the voices in the community um was an incredible experience to learn how to do that and i kind of learned on the ground and by talking to other people and you know it was just a really neat experience. Um, coming to Collins Hill, I was coming into a, a pretty well-established community. Um, I did feel like it was one that I kind of helped establish because I was part of the original faculty and we did get to pick out the school crest, you know, design the school crest with the kids and colors and mascot and those types of things. So one of the things that I did when I came in was we were going through um, our accreditation process and we didn't have a vision statement we had a mission statement for our school but not a vision statement so that's something that we really spent some time on and I, I that was kind of one of the new things that I did when I came in and we also didn't have an alma mater that was written so 
Um, for our 25th anniversary last year, we wrote an alma mater for the school. The kids helped write that and performed it for the first time at graduation last year. So um, just trying to build some of those kind of traditions. And and I will say the other thing that we've really worked on is since we've got um, our population at Collins Hill is very, looks very different than it did in 1994 when we opened. Um, and so our, you know, we really are trying to be very inclusive and um, trying to help kids, you know, see each other as individuals and, and not see subgroups and ethnicities and those types of things. And sometimes I think those are adult matters rather than kid matters, but we really do a lot. We've got a, a school-wide culture night that we do for kids have booths and kind of talk about their their um, cultural heritage and where, um, you know, their traditional dress and they have different dances that they'll do in the theater, um, they'll sing, there's all sorts of things that, that go on that evening, but it's a really cool night. We have a huge community turnout for it, and so a lot of parents come, and we usually have over a thousand people here that evening, which is which is really neat. Um, and the kids, you know, they don't get any extra credit or anything for it, it's just a big kind of celebration of, every, of the community and of everyone. Um, some other things we do is we work with um, No Place for Hate and the Anti-Defamation League and just really work on trying to promote kindness and, and positivity um, and those interactions that kids have with one another. And we, we also have a huge focus on service back to the community. You've done, a lot, to, you've done <laughs> a lot to establish school culture at, at both Collins Hill and Lanier, and, and I like the perspective that you brought about uh, Collins Hill as being a teacher that helped uh, bring about some of those traditions and, and, and culture and climate, and then also as a, as a principal about improving some of the items that maybe were left undone when, when the school first started. So, uh, unique perspective, and I'm sure that uh, our podcast listeners and Aspiring leaders can can gain a lot from that insight that you have there at Collins Hill and at Lanier. So uh, this is going to bring us to a close for uh, episode five of our first season here on the Georgia High School Principals Podcast, which is a podcast by high school principals for high school principals and for all educators in Georgia. I'm your host, Jim Finch, and I want to thank today Mrs. Carenza Wayne, principal of Collins Hill High School. Ms. Wayne, thank you. Carenza, thank you so much for showing up with us today. You're welcome. It was, I enjoyed talking, and um, I'm looking forward to listening to your other podcast. Well, that's good. That's good because we're going to try to put some more out there, and we're going to talk to as many principals as we can in our great state, and hopefully we'll be able to share across um, multiple, multiple platforms and of social media in order to get this message out. I want to remind all of our podcast listeners, Carenza Wing is the GASSP 2019 Principal of the Year, and she's also a national finalist for that same honor for National Principal of the Year. So again, Carenza, we congratulate you and wish you good luck, and, and we really appreciate you being here today, and we look forward to your listening and liking and sharing this podcast. But for now, we are signing off, and thanks for listening.